Christmas is about spending time with family, showing gratitude and love, sharing and making people happy. In America, most traditions involve Christmas trees, Santa, reindeer, and exchanging of gifts. But in some parts of the world, the traditions involve some horrifying legends as well. The worst thing that can happen at Christmas time is not to get coal in your stocking. The worst thing is becoming a Christmas meal for a vicious, hungry creature. Welcome to Freaky Folklore, the podcast where we discover the horrifying legends across the world and tell terrifying tales of monsters, both ancient and modern. Today we are discussing the Yule Cat, an Icelandic legendary monster that only comes around at Christmas time. This show is part of the EerieCast Podcast Network. Find more terrifying tales at EerieCast.com and be sure to follow us on Spotify or your favorite podcasting service. You can leave an honest review on iTunes, too. The more we get, the more we grow, and hopefully, the more monsters we can explore. If you would like to submit an encounter or suggestions for future episodes, you can email them to CarmenCarrion at gmail.com. That is C-A-R-M-A-N-C-A-R-R-I-O-N at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook for information on future episodes. The days were short in Reykjavik in December. The sun didn't rise until almost noon, and sunset was only four hours or so later. The short days and even the cold was not enough to stop Gunnar from exploring the countryside. Every day was a new quest, and the freedom to adventure was unlike anywhere else in the world. Gunnar used to follow his dad around the farm like a small shadow. But when he was ten, his parents divorced, and his dad moved to the city. It was hard at first, being without his dad most of the time, but he began escaping out in the fields and forests, where his imagination took him to even greater places. His mom was busier after his dad left. She had to run the farm and make goat milk soap to sell online. She didn't have the time to entertain Gunner. Now, it wasn't like he never saw his dad because he was too far away. The city was actually just a short drive. And Gunner visited his dad as often as possible, just not as often as he would have liked. His mother and father had a friendly relationship and shared custody of their son but his dad's work kept him busy. Gunnar wasn't bitter or angry. It just seemed normal to him the way everything worked out. But that changed the Christmas after Gunnar turned 13. Gunnar had been super excited to see his dad. He always spent the first part of Christmas time with him and the second half through New Year's on the farm with his mom. His dad had been out of the country for two weeks. So when he called to say he was on his way to pick Gunnar up, The boy couldn't pack fast enough. It was dark by the time his dad arrived, and it was such a perfect, beautiful night. Gunner was sitting on a bench in the front yard watching the northern lights while waiting. The swirling rivers of green and pink lights were always fascinating to him, but tonight they were different. The green colors seemed dim, and the pinks took over until they appeared bright red. This reminded him of one of the stories his grandpa liked to tell him. 
He said you should never wave, sing, or whistle at the northern lights because it would lure a body-snatching demon down from the sky. He got a shiver just thinking about it, even though he knew his grandpa just liked to scare him. He was relieved when he saw the headlights across the field. He tried to act grown up and not show his excitement when his dad pulled up. But as soon as he stepped out of the car, Gunner lost his composure and ran to him. Dad! He yelled, the same way he had since he was a little boy, and ran to him, throwing his arms around him in a childish embrace. His dad laughed. Whoa, you were almost as big as me. Just about knocked me off my feet. John, Gunner heard his mother say in greeting. Did you have a nice trip? They chatted for a few moments and may have even talked longer, but Gunner impatiently interrupted when he turned and gave his mother a quick hug. Bye, Mom. See you in a week. He blurted it out and quickly climbed into the car and shut the door. She laughed. I can take a hint, she said as she waved and turned to head back into the house. Gunner had so many questions he wanted to ask his dad about his trip and about their Christmas plans. So what are we going to do first? Ice skating or hiking? I think we should go hiking tomorrow. We haven't explored the ice caves in a long time. His dad chuckled at his excitement. Well, I have a surprise waiting for you at home. Let's talk about plans after that, okay? A surprise? Did you bring me back something? Should I guess? And the guessing began and lasted the entire drive to his dad's house 30 minutes away. Gunner knew something was off the minute he got out of the car. Every light in the house was on and he could see the Christmas tree lit up in the window. Hey, you didn't wait on me to put up the tree? We always do that together, he complained. He couldn't get angry, though, because he was still excited about this surprise that was awaiting him. He rushed to the door and waited for his dad to unlock it, but he didn't. Instead, he just turned the knob and walked in. That was also strange. Even though Reykjavik was a safe place to live, his dad was obsessed with keeping the house locked when he was away. Gunner followed him through the door and flung his bag down, prepared to interrogate him about this strange behavior. But he stopped dead in his tracks when he walked into the living room. There was a woman standing next to the Christmas tree. Surprise! She said, looking right at Gunner. He looked at her like she had two heads, and then looked questioningly at his dad. Gunner, this is Jenny. She wanted to surprise you. Gunner looked back at this woman standing in his dad's living room. She was tall, blonde, and attractive, but she didn't look that many years older than him. What was she doing here? Surely, he wasn't dating her. But his worst fears were confirmed. When his dad put his arm around her shoulder, Jenny is my girlfriend. I invited her to spend Christmas with us. Gunner's reaction was instant. That's just great. He growled and picked up his bag without saying another word and went to his room, slamming the door behind him. He could hear his father's muffled voice from down the hall, and he knew that he was apologizing for his son's rude behavior. Gunner immediately began to feel guilty. It was selfish for him to not welcome a chance for his dad to be happy again. 
He took a deep breath and turned around, went back out the door and down the hall. He didn't wait for them to see him before he began. I'm sorry. You just caught me off guard. Jenny's face lit up and Gunner could see that his dad was relieved. He decided right then that he could play nice, but that didn't mean he had to like this intruder that suddenly appeared in his life. The week went by quickly because they stayed busy, probably because his dad was trying to impress his new girlfriend. The last day Gunner was with them was actually a couple of days before Christmas, but they exchanged gifts anyway because the next day he would go back to his mom's. Gunner had done well at playing nice, hating every second of it the whole time. He almost lost it, though, when he opened a gift from Jenny. It was a cable-knit green sweater, probably the ugliest thing he had ever laid eyes on. I made it myself. Your dad told me your favorite color is green. I hope it fits, she said anxiously. Yeah, um, it's great, thanks, he said quickly as he tried to figure out how to change the subject. What time are we leaving in the morning? He asked his dad, even though he already knew the answer. The drive home was quiet, and for the first time in three years, Gunner couldn't wait to be away from his dad and back home with his mom. He said a quick goodbye when they pulled up in front of the house and jumped out of the car. He passed his mother's curious glance and ignored the questions that she immediately began to launch at him and went straight to his room. He flung his bag onto his bed, pulled the zipper to open it, and reached in to grab the green sweater. Without a second thought, he tossed it into the trash can beside his desk. Then he went back to the kitchen to attempt to appease his mother's obvious curiosity. For the first time in his life, he felt closer to his mom than his dad. He answered every question and then unloaded every detail of the week he had spent at his dad's with the new surprise girlfriend. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. What is horror to you? Monsters? Murder? Mystery? Well, if human monsters are your thing, June's Journey is the game for you, albeit in a more lighthearted tone. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the Roaring Twenties. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer. Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. When not hunting for clues, you can customize your own luxurious estate island with gardens, buildings, and decor. Or chat and play with or against other players too, in the Detective Club, where you could even put your skills to the test in the Detective League. June's journey is both relaxing and fun to play. With my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Santa Claus may be the red-cheeked symbol of the season in the United States, but in other nations, he is often joined by helpers of various kinds, some of whom are sometimes grotesque. The Icelandic Christmas period is an intriguing mixture of religious practice and traditional folklore. 
beginning on December 23rd and ending on January 6th. As many countries do, Iceland celebrates Christmas mostly with good food and gifts to loved ones. Icelandic Christmas legends portray mountain dwellers and creatures that visit towns over the holiday season. The stories are meant for children and are intended to frighten them into behaving well. In the legends, there are both monsters that devour misbehaving youngsters and sneaky pranksters that give gifts during the night. Perhaps embellishing a little, but in terms of Icelandic folklore, the idea of Santa Claus is significantly different from the one we know and love in most Western countries. Where Santa is a single jolly old elf who travels around the world through the sky, in a sled pulled by eight reindeer. His reindeer love carrots and even Christmas cookies, but in Iceland, the Santa legend is much different. The Santas of Iceland are 13 filthy trolls led by their mother, a child-eating giantess named Gryla, and the Yule Cat, a deadly family pet, as opposed to the image of a merry bearded man dressed in red and white. Now, while Gryla and the Yule Cat crave human flesh, the Yule Lads prefer stealing their meals from unsuspecting Icelanders. But I am here to tell you about the Yule Cat. But first you need to understand the family that he belongs to. Beginning on December 12th, the Yule Lads arrive during the course of the remaining 13 nights before Christmas. Then starting on Christmas Day, one leaves each day in the same sequence that they arrived. Each one remains for 13 days. The first Yule Lad, whose name is Sheepcoat Clog, comes on the night before the 12th of December. He is said to suck milk from sheep and was known for having two wooden feet and a pegged leg. The second Yule Lad, Gully Gawk, comes on the night before the 13th of December. He was known to hide in barns and steal the froth of the milk buckets. The third of the Yule Lads is called Stubby and he comes on the night before the 14th of December. He was known for being unusually short and stealing pans to eat the crusts left on them. The fourth of the Yule Lads, Spoonlicker, comes the night before the 15th of December. He is known for being tall, thin, and for stealing long wooden spoons to lick them. The fifth of the Yule Lads, Pot Scraper, comes the night before the 16th of December. He is known to steal leftovers from pots. The sixth of the Yule Lads, Bowl Liquor, comes on the eve of the 17th of December. He was known to hide under beds when people would place their asker, a plate used for meals. He then stole the asker and ate from it. The seventh of the Yule Lads, Door Slammer, comes the night before the 18th of December. The loudest one, he was known to slam doors especially during nighttime. The 8th of the Yule Lads, Skier Gobbler, comes the night before the 19th of December. Skier Gobbler was known for being obsessed with the Icelandic yogurt called Skier. The 9th of the Yule Lads, Sausage Swiper, comes on the eve of the 20th of December. Known to hide in rafters and steal sausages that were being smoked. The 10th of the Yule Lads, Window Peeper, comes on the night before the 21st of December. He's probably the creepiest one. He would peek inside people's windows to see if there was anything to steal. He may be watching you right now. The 11th of the Yule Lads, Doorway Sniffer, comes on the night before the 22nd of December. He's known to have an extremely long, large nose and an amazing sense of smell. 
which he usually uses to seek out yummy lova bread, a traditional kind of Icelandic bread. The 12th of the Yule Lads, Meat Hook, comes on the night before the 23rd of December. He's the one who uses a hook to steal meat. The 13th of the Yule Lads, Candle Stiller, comes on the night before the 24th of December. He's the one that follows children to steal their candles, which used to be edible because they were made of animal fat. One of the scariest characters in Icelandic tradition is the giantess Gryla, the mother of the Yule Lads, and during the holiday season, Youngsters are still subjected to terrifying tales about her. It is reported that she gathers information about children misbehaving throughout the island throughout the year, and when winter arrives, she sets out to gather them. She has an insatiable taste for the flesh of misbehaving kids, and she never runs out of her favorite crop. She gathers them up in a sack, boils them in a pot, and makes a huge stew out of them that will last her until the following winter. Gryla would be terrible enough if she worked alone, but sadly for Icelandic children, she does not. She shares her mountain cave in North Iceland with her lazy husband and an enormous black feline called the Christmas Cat, AKA the Yule Cat, which also has an appetite for human flesh. Her husband, a troll named Lepaludi, is the least threatening of her family. He is browbeaten to the point of pathetic, perhaps out of fear of what happened to Gryla's previous partners, who Gryla is said to have eaten. He exerts no influence over her evil tendencies. Gryla and Lepaludi own the Christmas cat, a terrible big cat that comes lurking on Christmas night and eats people who don't get any Christmas presents containing clothes. So you better appreciate those socks and underwear you get for Christmas, because they may keep you from getting eaten by the Christmas cat. The legend of the Yule Cat is a Christmas story that is celebrated and told to Icelandic children even today. Every year a large Christmas cat is erected in the Lekjatorg Square in Reykjavik. The terrifying Christmas cat, according to folklore, hunts the snowy countryside and devours everyone who is not dressed for the icy conditions in new clothing. Icelandic families cooperate to make sure that no one goes to the Christmas cat. This spooky cat is also known as the Yule Cat, from the Norse term Yule, which means will, as in the pagan Christmas wreath or will of fate, cycle of seasons, and rebirth of light at winter solstice. Families exchange brand new winter clothing every year, and they also make a warm weather offering to the Yule Cat. Otherwise, the Yule Cat will devour you like some fishy snack. Farmers use the fear of being devoured by the Yule Cat to motivate their workers to finish processing the autumn wool before Christmas. New garments would be given to those who participated in the task, while the terrible cat would prey on those who didn't and received nothing. There is a beloved poem by Johannes Urkotlum which describes the cat's sharp teeth and glaring yellow eyes, along with the belief that one must work hard for Christmas to avoid being punished by the Yule Cat. This is how it goes. You all know the Yule Cat, and that cat was huge indeed. People didn't know where he came from or where he went. He opened his glaring eyes wide, the two of them glowing bright. It took a really brave man to look straight into them his whiskers sharp as bristles, his back arched up high, and the claws of his hairy paws 
were a terrible sight. He gave a wave of his strong tail. He jumped and he clawed and he hissed, sometimes up in the valley, sometimes down by the shore. He roamed at large, hungry and evil, in the freezing Yule snow. In every home, people shuddered at his name. If one heard a pitiful meow, something evil would happen soon. Everybody knew he hunted men, but didn't care for mice. He picked on the very poor that no new garments got. For Yule he toiled and lived in dire need. From them he took in one fell swoop their whole Yule dinner, always eating it himself, if he possibly could. Hence it was that the women at their spinning wheels sat, spinning a colorful thread for a frock or a little sock. Because you mustn't let the cat get hold of the little children. They had to get something new to wear from the grown-ups each year. And when the lights came on on Yule Eve and the cat peered in, the little children stood rosy and proud, all dressed up in their new clothes. Some had gotten an apron, and some had gotten shoes, or something that was needed, that was all it took. For all who got something new to wear stayed out of that pussycat's grasp. He then gave an awful hiss, but went on his way. Whether he still exists, I do not know, but his visit would be in vain if next time everybody got something new to wear. Now you might be thinking of helping where help is needed most. Perhaps you'll find some children that have nothing at all. Perhaps searching for those that live in a lightless world will give you a happy day and a merry, merry Yule. Christmas is not merely a time for giving, baking, and celebrating the season. It is also the Yule Cat's hunting season in Iceland. This enormous fluffy cat looms over structures as it prowls the icy countryside, looking for unsuspecting people who still lack new clothing for Christmas. In the Middle Ages, Iceland started exporting wool, and it soon became crucial to the country's economy and survival. The greatest tasks at the time were spinning and weaving, and the entire household was in charge of all wool-related chores. The majority of people used to give tiny pieces of clothing as Christmas presents in the past, but that was only possible if everyone had contributed to the annual wool production and done their due share of the job. The Yule Cat probably evolved as a reaction to the significance of wool production, scaring kids and even adults into finishing their linen work in time for Christmas because it only attacks individuals who don't have new clothes. The Yule Cat's prey consists of both children and adults. Unlike the others, this cat does not care about your misdeeds during the year. Despite the fact that the earliest known documented versions of the Yule Cat's story date from the 19th century, it is believed that the tale began during the Dark Ages. According to the legend, medieval bosses would give their workers new clothing and shoes for the holidays as a thank you for their exemplary job. The Yule Cat would, however, come and eat you if you were slow and did not receive a prize of new clothing. Giving someone new clothing will prevent you from being devoured, which is a brand new twist on the story. It's clear that the story is intended to inspire children to work hard and shun idleness. So if this giant beast only eats people that are wearing old clothes, 
then is there something about new clothing that repels him? I guess there's no way to know. What we do know is that ugly Christmas sweater that you got at the work Christmas party, you better be wearing it on Christmas Eve if you don't want to become the Yule Cat's next meal. Gunner usually shot out of bed on Christmas Eve, excited to go to his grandparents and spend time with his grandpa. They would feast on smoked lamb, corn, peas, beans, and gravy. Then they would have a big slice of Christmas cake with jam and buttercream. That is if they didn't sneak and have some before the meal. Afterwards, they would usually sit in the family room while Grandpa read to them from a book that he received as a gift while they sipped on hot chocolate. Everyone in the family would get at least one book for Christmas. It was a tradition that was very common in Iceland. Right before midnight, they would drive to town to watch fireworks. This morning, Gunnar stared at the ceiling in his bedroom and for the first time in his life was having trouble getting excited about the day. He knew that he should try to be happy for his dad, but it felt so much like he was going to lose him if he had to share him. He couldn't explain his reasoning because there wasn't any. A knock on his door brought him out of his thoughts. When he didn't answer, his mother slowly opened the door and stepped into his room. You need to get ready. We're leaving in 30 minutes, and you need to help me put the food and the gifts in the car, she said when she realized he was awake. Gunner groaned and rolled over, pulling the blanket over his head. What's wrong? Aren't you excited? You usually love Christmas Eve. His mother had sat down on the edge of his bed. She patted him on the back. Come on. Your grandpa is just what you need to improve your mood. Get up. She ordered before standing up and leaving the room. Gunner did what he was told, but he wasn't happy about it. It was tradition to wear something nice and new on Christmas Eve, but the only thing new he had was the ugly green sweater that Jenny had given him, and he wasn't about to wear that ever. So he grabbed his favorite hoodie and threw it on with his best pair of jeans. He found his mother outside putting gifts in the car. It seemed colder than usual and had begun to snow, which helped improve Gunner's spirits a bit. He loved the snow, and even though the ground was still white from the snow that had fallen a few days earlier, his thoughts were the more snow, the better. His mother gave him a funny look and asked, Aren't you going to wear your new sweater? I know how you feel about it, but if the Yule Cat catches you without something new on... Mom, that's a story for babies, and I'm never wearing that stupid sweater, he snapped. She left it alone and sent him to grab the rest of the gifts from the house. Once the car was loaded, they headed down the road. His grandparents only lived a couple of miles away, so the drive only took about five minutes. His grandma was in the kitchen getting ready to make his favorite Christmas treat, loaf of bread, a thin, crispy fried bread that was made to look like snowflakes. He stopped long enough to give her a quick hug. If he didn't, there would be trouble. He then went to find his grandpa, who was sitting in his recliner napping with Molly, his sheepdog, curled at his feet. Molly jumped up when she saw Gunner walk through the door, her yapping excitement waking Grandpa in the process. Well, you finally made it. Are you ready to see who can eat the most today? I think you beat me last year, he said with a chuckle. 
Gunner plopped down on the sofa and was about to discuss the challenge when they heard a knock at the door. He heard his mother open the door and greet whoever was there. He immediately recognized his dad's voice and jumped up to run and greet him. But he stopped abruptly when he saw that his dad was not alone. She was with him. What the hell, Dad? It wasn't enough that I had to spend the first half of Christmas with her, so you had to bring her here too? He could see hurt, embarrassment, and then anger play across his dad's face. He knew he had screwed up, but he didn't care. He grabbed his coat, not giving anyone a chance to react, and stormed through the kitchen and out the back door. He didn't realize that Molly had followed him until he was almost halfway home. That is when he heard her growling. He turned to tell her to go home, but stopped when he saw what she was growling at. It looked like a cat, but it was as big as a horse. It was solid black, but had a strange, hideous face. It was rearing back in attack mode. He didn't have a chance to run, because within seconds, the thing was on top of him, pinning him to the ground. Its rancid breath filled his nostrils, almost making him gag. Molly reacted without delay and jumped towards the giant feline's throat. Her attack caused the cat to turn, in the process freeing Gunner. He acted quickly and jumped to his feet and ran as fast as he could towards home. He could hear the snarling and hissing battle taking place from behind him as he fled. After what felt like he was a safe distance away, he stopped and yelled for Molly hoping that she would retreat from the fight and come to him. When he saw her brown fur bouncing through the snow, relief washed over him. But it only lasts a moment, for the giant cat was right behind her. Gunner turned and began to run again. He ran so fast that his lungs began to burn. He finally made it to the house and burst through the door that thank God his mom never locked. He waited for just a second on Molly, who was right behind him, before slamming the door shut and locking it. Backing away from the door, he heard the giant footsteps in the snow slowly reach the house and then come to a stop at the door. He could hear it yowling and sniffing the door. The door began to shake like it was trying to break it down, but then it stopped, and he could hear it begin to walk around the house stopping at each window, and then at the back door, searching for a way in. The ceiling joist creaked with strain when the large beast jumped onto the roof and began clawing at the shingles. Gunner knew he had to get help and quick. He dug through his pockets searching for his cell phone, but he couldn't find it. It must have fell out somewhere along the way, probably when that monster had jumped him. He thought frantically of how he could get a hold of someone. And then he remembers the two-way radio his grandpa had given him last Christmas. It was one of a set, and his grandfather had the other. He had told Gunner that it would be more reliable than those dang cell phones, not knowing at the time how right he was. Gunner ran to his bedroom and dug it out of the dresser drawer where he kept it, expecting to never have to use it. He switched it on and began calling. Grandpa! Grandpa, are you there? Please pick up. He continued for several minutes, until finally he heard a click 
and then his grandpa's voice. Gunner, is that you? Grandpa, I need help. There's this huge cat trying to get into the house. I mean huge, like it's as big as a freaking rhino. Gunner, calm down, he heard him say. And then his mother's voice was on the other end. Gunner, remember what I told you about the Yule cat? Yeah, I remember, he answered. Go find your new sweater and put it on. Gunner wanted to roll his eyes, but she had to be right. What else would explain this giant cat outside his house dying to eat him? Okay, he said and turned towards the trash can where he had thrown the sweater. He yanked it out and laid the radio down long enough to pull the sweater over his head. I put it on, now what do I do? He asked into the radio. Hang tight and don't leave the house. We are headed that way. It wasn't a hard demand to follow. He wasn't about to step foot outside the house with that thing out there. He sat down on the bed to wait and watched the clock. Five minutes. They would be here in five minutes. He watched as the numbers changed once, then twice. And then before the third minute, he heard a crash come from the front room. It had torn down the front door. Molly began to growl and the hair on her back stood on end. Gunner watched his bedroom door, too afraid to move. He could hear its heavy footsteps coming down the hall. He backed into the corner, hunkering down, and watched as the door slowly creaked open. The beast stuck its ugly head into the room and began to sniff. It turned its head sideways in a calculating gesture. Molly charged it and the cat used its giant paw to swipe the dog away, slamming her against the wall, knocking her out cold. It continued to sniff as it took large steps towards Gunner. He whimpered and closed his eyes as it reached its head down and sniffed his sweater. He was afraid to open them, but as seconds ticked by, nothing happened. And finally, he forced his eyes open, only to find that the cat was gone. Thank you for listening to Freaky Folklore, the podcast about mankind's horrifying legends and myths. Don't forget to follow Freaky Folklore on Spotify and iTunes. If you can, leave the show an honest review on iTunes to help us grow. Freaky Folklore is part of the EerieCast Podcast Network, the home for listeners who love to feel scared. Go to EerieCast.com to find other terrifying podcasts such as Destination Terror and Redwood Bureau. If you would like to submit an encounter or suggestions for future episodes, you can email them to CarmenCarrion at gmail.com. That is C-A-R-M-A-N-C-A-R-R-I-O-N at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook for information on future episodes. Tune in next week as we discuss Mr. Widemouth, a mischievous little creature who manipulates children into harming themselves. Until next time, stay safe out there, because this world is a strange one.